John chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them and turn to John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and we can put one in your hands. We're glad to do so. If you don't have a Bible, you can keep it as well. John chapter 15. Picking up with where we left off. Last week we covered verses 1 through 4. So I'll read verses 5 through 8. Uh, it is a little bit, uh, it's a little shorter message on purpose. So we save room so you can hear uh, David's testimony who got saved. Um, one of the things that's really cool about David's testimony, uh, David got saved in the 830 service uh, over a year ago. So about 15, 16 months ago, he got saved in the 830 service. So, you know, we know that God, Michael got saved in the 1045 service. David got saved in the 830 service. And we... When I tell you that we fast and pray over all decisions, we just don't like, hey, well, let's just throw a, throw a dart, and if, if it hits here, we'll do that. No. We pray about it, and so we knew that God had us uh, bring the 830 service into fruition, and, and God has been blessing it, and other people have come to Christ in that service. It's a lot smaller service than the 1045, but uh, it, God has been using it, and uh, the same, we teach the same thing. Same chapter, everything in the 830s that we do here. And by the way, there's more room if you ever want to come to the 830 service. So just, just throwing that out there, too. There's a, there is more room. You don't have to worry about seating or anything in the 830 service. Uh, so, but ultimately, and as we pray about these things, God allows them to bear fruit. The 830 service is bearing fruit, lasting fruit. This service is, and uh, we'll look more of that as we look at the text. So back with me to verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Let's pray again. Jesus, we are so grateful that, Lord, we're not here to discuss our opinions. We're not here to show what we know or tell what we know. We're here to hear what you have said is truth. Not just truth. Not just truth like that the sky is blue, but truth eternal truth that sets people free. And so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, give us, Lord, the truth that you want us to receive here this morning. Each heart would be prepared. Each ear would be ready. Each person would be soft and pliable, including me, Lord. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your anointing. I need the help of the Holy Spirit, and we all do. So, Holy Spirit, just drive out any distractions. May we hear from you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In verses 1 through 4, Jesus had just said that he is the true vine. His father is the vine dresser that prunes the branches that are in Christ. And, and the father removes the dead and the unproductive branches. He told the disciples that they are clean. Aren't you glad Jesus has cleaned you? They've been cleansed by Jesus by believing the words that he spoke. That faith and trust in Christ, which is salvation, is the only reason that they or we 
can be connected to the life source of Christ. Salvation and the gift of the helper, who is the Holy Spirit, is the only way we can abide in Jesus. By the way, you'll see that in a powerful way uh, when we share this testimony in just a bit, this testimony of David. But pre-salvation, there's no ability there's no ability to abide in Christ. You ever tried to tape uh, scotch tape to a wet surface? It doesn't work. It's not going to stick. But after the work of God's grace, we can abide. You can't abide without being saved first. And Jesus tells us to abide. Because obedience, as we saw in chapter 14 is that learning to love Jesus. The way you love Jesus is to obey Jesus. That's what he said. That's not what I'm telling you. That's what he said. And there's, with obedience and abiding, guess what will happen? Fruit will follow. Amen? Amen. Fruit's going to follow. I have had things in my life that have grown in spite of me, not because of me. Any of you have that kind of green thumb? That you know it wasn't, it was an act of God that things actually grew when you planted it, right? But when we abide, things are going to grow. In these next four verses, Jesus continues the picture of the vine and the axiomatic result that to abide in him will, will, will produce fruit. If you abide, you're going you're to be fruitful. You know, we're, all, we're not all going to bear the same amount of fruit, but we're going to bear fruit if we abide. And it's not just a small, insignificant amount of fruit. It's a bounty of fruit. Jesus said, much fruit. The vine will never fail. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the vine. He's not going to fail. And as long as the branches are connected and receiving from the vine, we won't fail to produce you're taking notes, you see the title this morning, Bearing Much Fruit, Jesus is the Vine. And he says here in verse 5, you look back at your Bibles, I am the vine, you are the branches. So Jesus reiterates what he stated in verse 1, which was a repeat of the I am statement back in verse 1. He restates it here in verse, four, uh, verse 5. Back in verse 1 was the added emphasis where he says, I am the true vine. But the first four verses, Jesus was painting the picture of how a fruit-bearing vine and associated branches are designed to work. The image is a, uh, the image is a grapevine. But the same is true with other fruit trees and other fruit-bearing plants. There's a center vine, a center stem, a trunk, Right? And the branches come out of that center vine or trunk or stem. And the branches are fed by the nutrients and the water that come through the center vine or the center stem. And in the case of a grapevine, which is the picture Jesus is painting here, there's a vine dresser that prunes, cuts, and trims, which is pretty painful for us sometimes, isn't it? To be pruned by the Lord. But he, paint, uh, he prunes and he trims. And the grapevine is ultimately the whole vineyard is the church itself. 
Now, each of us are our own little branch that he's actually working on, but collectively we're a bunch of branches that's part of the tree or the vineyard of the church itself. But Jesus, he expresses that his father is the vine dresser. His father does the cutting. So as Jesus begins verse 5 with the picture he's already outlined, he's ensuring here that there's no confusion, there's no ambiguity in the understanding of the disciples and us. What's, that? What's he saying? Here's the, here's the clear, concise thing he's saying. He says, I'm the vine, mm-hmm. you're the branches, don't get it mixed up. Mm-hmm. You're not the vine, mm-hmm. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now that seemed pretty clear to me in verse 1 through 4, didn't it, last week? I thought he made that pretty clear. He said, Jesus, you already made that crystal clear in the first four verses. But if you see some of the questions the disciples ask, and you remember some of the questions you and I have asked, you can see why he comes down to eye level and says, let me restate this one more time. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Don't misunderstand. You have to be tapped into me, not the other way around. You have to be rooted in him, abiding in him. It's like a Jesus coming down to eye level to a child. You've got to do that sometimes. We did a lot this week at VBS, a lot of that, yeah. eye level. This is what we're doing. So Jesus is saying, let me say this once more. And if they're clear, and I think they are now here in verse 5, he moves forward. Look at the rest of verse 5. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Let's stop right there. So he moves forward. He says, they'll not only bear fruit, but much fruit. Not one tiny shriveled grape, which becomes a raisin. That's extra bonus material. If you didn't know that, kids, <laughs> raisins were not born raisins. Just so the kids know that out there, they think that they're a separate fruit. No, 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 that, that started out as a grape. But anyway, but no, not just one single little grape, but a cluster of grapes. You ever seen the, the cluster and it kind of has that V shape to it? And not just one time bearing fruit, but season after season after season, I've been saved for 28 years. I will admit, some years have been more fruitful than others. Can I get an amen on that? Some years have been more fruitful, but they've all been fruitful. And some have been more difficult. Some have been more attacks on the vine, right? Winds and rain and all kinds of things that come and insects and things that try and tear us away from the vine, us being the branches. But he says, you're going to bear much fruit. And this is the reason why that we're going to bear fruit is primarily two reasons, which he stated back in verses 1 through 4. The two primary reasons that we are going to bear fruit, number one, is that we're abiding in the vine. Uh If you're abiding in the vine, that's where the nutrients are, that's where the water, the hydration. But the second reason that we're going to bear fruit is what he said the Father does. That's the vine dressing work, the pruning which we don't like pruning, but we need pruning. Uh 
The pruning that we talked about last week is known among those that work with vineyards. You can go out and look at YouTube clips on this. My wife sent me a four-minute one. Uh, she's good like that. She helps me out. Hey, I found something for you. you. You need to check this out. So, But it was good stuff. But the, um, it's known among those that work with vineyards as renewing the vine. Renewing the vine. It's a term that they use, and those that um, uh, work in vineyards, doesn't matter anywhere in the world, whether it's in California or Italy or what have you. But the pruning also reshapes the vine, and they reset the vine year after year. Think about how God does that with us. He's constantly reshaping us, resetting us. Kind of like every Sunday is a reset, if you think about it. Like, and every morning's a reset, and every day is a reset. But he's always reshaping us. We're still the same vine, but he's cutting on us and changing us. And that pruning determines how many shoots will grow. This is, you can go out and watch these videos about uh, vineyards. It, it determines how many shoots will grow on the vine. And all of this takes tremendous skill, and you have to prune it at the right time. And God knows how to prune us at the right time, right? And he has tremendous skill on where to prune us and how to prune us, how often to prune us. Now, as we know, Jesus is the vine. He doesn't need the renewing of the vine. He is the renewing. Amen? Amen. So that part of it, you know, we kind of understand, but he is always perpetually renewed because he is the living Savior. He is the one that gives life. He does the renewing. But the Father does the pruning, and the Spirit is the vehicle by which the Father does the pruning, the helper who also not only prunes us, but the same spirit that prunes us also helps us abide. So those two primary reasons we can bear fruit, abiding and pruning. Abiding is we say, Lord, we're going to abide. Pruning is the God says, I'm going to shave away those things in your life, in us individually, and as the church. And then he promises that we will bear much fruit. And the fruit that's going to come forth in our life is also a two-part understanding. So it's a two-fold work. The fruit that comes forth in our life, um, you know, there's lots of different fruits. It's not like we have apples, oranges, bananas, all that kind of stuff. There's a two-part work. The first fruit that fills the branches is to be visible and enjoyed. So when you look at literal vines, if you take, go back to a literal vineyard and there's grapes on there, you can see the grapes and they're there to be enjoyed. Um, I know that many pictures have been taken of vineyards all over the world. And it's a, it, you can get calendars about vineyards and all this stuff. Lots of people like to take pictures of Tuscany and Northern California and all these things. But grapevines are not planted and cultivated for photo shoots. Though they end up in photo shoots, they are cultivated to have a vintage, to have a harvest, for them to be taken from the vine and pressed or sold in some fashion, right? That's the whole reason there, there's a vineyard in the first place. And it's to, supposed to have a sweetness to it. So we can liken the fruit on the vine. Again, there's a twofold fruit that God wants to produce. And every one of us, those of you watching online, and me, and each one of you, there's a twofold fruit. We can liken the first understanding of the fruit to be the Christ-like character that God produces in us. Remember we talked about last week that it's hard for me to believe because scientists can tell you how it works. They can't tell you why it works, why sunlight, dirt, and rain end up in a juicy grape. 
right? They can tell you all day long how it works, but they still can't tell you why it ever works in the first place. I still find it pretty miraculous, don't you? Yes. That a banana grows this kind of cool peel that naturally insulates the banana until you're ready to use it unless you sit it in our house for way too long and it becomes this dark shade of brown. And you're like, all right, we lost three again. Like, so can we ever get the whole usage out of this thing? You know, that's me. Oh, well, into the freezer they go, they'll become banana bread or whatever that happens too. Uh, but, um, but it's amazing that all of that starts out with rain, sun, and dirt. And then it becomes something we can eat. I, you, can't, you can't think of anything. I can't turn this Bible into something to eat. But God does this on a regular basis. So what comes forth, the first is that Christ-like character, the sweetness. So you are, you're all familiar probably with Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, everything that's opposite of the news. Right there. The complete opposite of watching the current events and the way people are out of control and all the things that we see Hollywood produce, none of that. Every now and then they get one, but rarely. Against such, there is no law. When revivals broke out in um, northern England, there was such an overwhelming work of God that the bars all of a sudden became empty. People stopped committing crimes, and they had to disband police because nobody was hurting anybody. Everybody was just changed by the work of the Spirit. And that is the fruit of the Spirit. And the longer you're saved, again, you're never going to be perfect. Jesus is never going to say, well done, good and perfect servant. But you will become more loving, more patient, more kind, more compassionate. And a vineyard, if it's pruned right, becomes more fruitful over time, not less fruitful over time. And so the second work, so the first work is that, that flow of the Holy Spirit, the character of Christ is birthed in us, and we become, you'll see this in David's testimony, how his whole life changes and he starts to have different fruit coming forth. Because Jesus said there is bad fruit too, right? He talks about bad fruit. Um, but the good fruit that comes forth, this love and joy and peace, it's the, called the fruit of the Spirit. The second work is that all fruit, any fruit that you want to look at at your house, uh, cut open the papaya, cut open the uh, mango, whatever it is, bananas, apples, what's in the center of them? Seeds. So the second part of this work of the, uh, the fruit that's produced is that work of reproduction and multiplication. Remember what God said right there in the garden. Before there was ever sin, he told Adam, be fruitful and multiply. multiply. So the 12 disciples will become 120, and the 120 become, uh, the gospel just starts to go all over the world. There's a multiplication that takes place. Those that abide in Christ will be used by Christ to bring others to Christ and help make disciples. And you can't make a disciple unless you first are a disciple. That's why we're told to abide, that the fruit would come forth, and the seeds of reproduction, the seeds of multiplication. Uh, every one of you, God wants you to be involved in life with other believers, talking through your faith together, growing together. And that will spread to you actually reaching out to a lost 
and dying world because that's why Jesus has saved us, that we would actually take the same message of salvation to others. But the fruit of the Spirit and this fruit of, fruit of multiplication, they are the natural byproducts of us abiding in Jesus and him residing in us because he says here, if... Um, um, where does he say it here? Uh, he who abides in me and I in him, uh, verse 5 there, bears much fruit. So as, he, as we abide in him and he abides in us, this is the natural byproduct. But even though it's the natural byproduct to bear fruit because we're abiding in him, it is supernatural in nature. Does that make sense? It's the natural byproduct, but it's natural to what will happen in the economy of God, but it's supernatural when we look at it from the perspective of it could not happen unless God made it happen. So it's supernatural in that respect, which underscores what Jesus says next, because the next thing he says is, for without me you can do nothing. I quote this verse a lot. You guys know that. Nothing means nothing. Zilch. Zero. Nothing. Which is um, when you look at the natural byproduct, you can't do anything, you can't produce fake, well, you, can, you can't fake fruit is the point. You cannot fake fruit. It's either going to be real, it's going to be authentic, uh, you can maybe fool people a little bit of time, but if there's no real, if it's not really coming from Jesus, there will not be a genuine compassion. There will not be a genuine love for people. There will not be a genuine love for souls. There will not be a genuine love for worship, for prayer, for studying the Word of God. Any of those things, you can't just force it. It has to be coming from the Lord. Without Jesus changing us, we can't do anything. And then after salvation, we can't do anything without His help either. Amen? Amen. I mean, just to get saved, we're apart from Him, it's not possible. But then once we are saved... Now, we can do all kinds of stuff. People are doing all kinds of things. You can become a billionaire. You can travel the world. You can do all the things that are your hopes and dreams. You can do all kinds of stuff, but there'll be nothing fruitful, nothing lasting, nothing, nothing eternal, nothing spiritual, nothing godly, nothing of the will of God. It would only be stuff you did that was of the will of yourself or the will of man, and that will fade pretty quickly. Amen? Amen. Because we can't add even a second to our life. Everything that Jesus does, fruit, is eternal. All the things that God wants and desires to do in us are impossible in ourselves, but not impossible with Jesus. Amen. Not impossible with him. With his help, and that's with the helper back in chapter 14, the Holy Spirit, with his help, we will abide and we will grow and will want to grow. Look at verse 6. He turns to a very strong warning in verse 6. If anyone, uh, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. What a strong warning. We've talked about this several times. Jesus chooses us and gives us the grace option to choose him back, the opportunity to choose him back. I did not find Jesus. He came and found me. I was like dead in my trespasses in. All the rest of you were too. I was literally having a good time in South Florida as a college student, and God came 
and found me, and I ended up, me and my wife, on an altar call in June of 1995. And I know the Lord did the whole thing. But I also, when I had that opportunity, I'll never forget sitting in that chair when he says, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, it's your time to move. It's your time to repent right now. It's your time to give your life to Christ. I could have said, no, I don't want this. But I was given enough grace to say, Lord, I choose you back. And so we have to choose him back. And he says, if anyone doesn't remain in me, strong warning here, if you're saved, you're going to want to remain in Jesus. No one's going to have to convince you and twist your arm to remain in Christ. You now have the Holy Spirit in you. You will want to remain in Christ. You'll have times, like I said earlier, where the elements of trials and wind and attacks on you are real, and you, Satan's trying to rip you out of the vine, and yet you will cling to Jesus. And little did you know, he had you totally secure the whole time. You thought you were doing all the hanging on. It wasn't. Now, he'll give you the desire to hang on, but he's really the one holding on to you. He's just testing, do you really want him? Do you want to grow in him? Do you want to abide in him? But those who are not saved, they're not going to remain, and they're not even going to desire to remain. Paul said of Demas, he left me having loved this present world. Demas did not want to abide. He wanted to go back to the world. Peter said a dog returning to its own vomit, which is a horrible thought, right? Many people have tried the concept of salvation, such as a church experience. And I went to a passion conference, and it was awesome, and, and then I found that I liked the bar scene way better. Many people have tried on the concept of the salvation, kind of like you could go into a store and try on a jacket, or ladies, you try on a dress, and you try it on, and you see if it fits right, and say, nah, don't want it. Many people have tried salvation on that way, but they've not really asked Jesus and repented and called upon the name of the Lord to be their Lord and Savior. And so Jesus says, those that don't remain in me, they'll be cast into the fire. Those branches that were dead, they really weren't ever in the vine. But if you truly repented and called on Jesus, he has made you a branch and made you to now abide and grow. What's sad about verse 6, it says, um, it says right here, it says, uh, they are gathered and thrown in the fire. What's sad about six, verse 6 to me is that many of the branches were really close to the vine, but not in the vine. They were just on the ground, maybe inches from the vine, but not in the vine. You know, the, the farthest distance is salvation is 18 inches, right? Head to heart. Many people are really close to the vine, but not in the vine. And Jesus said they were there. They, they, they're gathered up. They're close, but they really never really had been cleansed and grafted in. Look at, uh, look at verse 7. But by the way, one last point. Jesus, I want to be clear for those who are watching online, there's a, Jesus, no matter where you're at, if you're not in the vine, he is bidding you, he's bidding the whole world to come to him. He's not, going to he's not willing to, and he should perish. He's not going to cast you out. He would bring you in to be cleansed. Look at verse 7. We've got to wrap these last two up. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You'll ask what you 
what Jesus is saying here is Jesus ties the picture of him as the vine and us as obedient and abiding and thereby fruitful branches back to what he said in, in John chapter 14, verse 13. What he said in 14, 13 uh, is this. He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in me. He says almost the same exact thing here, slightly different wording, but almost the same sentence, if you will. And here's the thing. Nobody has ever or will ever produce fruit like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Nobody's gonna, his whole life was nonstop fruitful. Never a moment that he wasn't bearing fruit. He was perfect. We're imperfect. He was truth-giving. We're truth-receiving. He was life-giving. We're life-receiving. He was salvation-giving. We're salvation-receiving. Everything, again, branches are always dependent on the vine. Jesus is saying, look, once you are part of me, my character is a part of you, and you'll begin to pray according to my character. We talked about in using his name. You won't misuse his name. Lord, make me a billionaire. Make me popular. Get me on the front of Time magazine. Right? That wouldn't be your prayer life. It would be, Lord, heal this brother. Lord, heal their marriage. Lord, save that person. Lord, save my neighbor. Give me an open door to tell my boss about Jesus. All, that's the way you start to think. And Lord, if you bless us financially, that we will use it for you. Because I hope God blesses all of you financially, but I hope you use it for him. Amen. Amen. But it's not, the, it's not the goal of your life. You would just want it to be a tool. And he says, you'll begin to ask things, and I'll do these things because you'll be asking according to my will as we abide in him. Verse 8, our last verse, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples, not your churchgoer, not your pew sitter, disciple. As we abide in him, which is to fix our attention on him and on his words and on his love, we'll be changed day by day we need change day by day. I don't care how long you've been saved. God has a lot of headroom with all of us. Amen? Amen? There's a lot of branches he hasn't even touched yet on us. They were like, if he touched them all at one time, we would like, Lord, I'm a puddle of mud now, you know. But it changes day by day and makes us more fruitful. But that fixing our eyes, I love this quote from Selwyn Hughes. He says, when we gaze at Christ's face and make him the center of our attention and love, which is obedience, then we are gradually and continuous, continuously changed into the likeness of Christ. You cannot make yourself into the likeness of Christ, but you can fix your attention on Jesus, which is to abide in him, fixing your attention on him, on his word, and then he begins to change us. And it's a supernatural, it's the natural byproduct, but it's still a supernatural work. And as we become more like Jesus, as we're deeper in communion with him, we'll love like him. We'll pray according to the will of God, not according to our own desires. Uh, we'll grow in faith, and he'll use us as seeds that are inside to multiply us. And we'll have influence on other people for the Lord's sake, for the gospel's sake, and they will, our light will shine. He said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And whatever else we need, even the things we won't pray, that don't even know we're pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us to help us accomplish His will. And all of it, Jesus says, to bring the Father glory. All of it's to bring God glory for His namesake, as the 23rd Psalm says. And lastly, I love this quote from D.L. Moody, just an encouraging one for all of us. 
I love that way he spoke this from the pulpit. I don't know if he was in London or Chicago or wherever, but he said these words. He said, dear friends, let us expect that God is going to use us. Let us have courage and go forward looking to God to do great things. I don't think I can do anything great, but I know I have a great God that I can abide in. Amen? Amen. I don't think there's anything great I can do, but I know that God is great, and if I just abide in him, I don't have to squeeze out a grape. <laughs> They'll happen. Amen? Amen? It's the work of the Spirit. Pastor Chuck used to say that. I got that from him. So he said that. He used to say that. Oh, you don't see fruit trees. I will get an orange out today no matter what. <laughs> we just don't do that. We just abide. We're resting in Jesus. But as we're resting in Jesus, it's a natural to the flow of the Holy Spirit just flows from our life. And with him, we'll be fruitful and literally anything is possible with him. Without him, nothing's possible. Nothing of real value. It would be fruitless. It would be failure, at least according to eternity. So I think the answer is a simple one. We need to abide in Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Hey, I'm going to have them cue up David's video, but I want to say real quick, I wanted to show David's video. I, remember I mentioned David got saved in the 830 service a little over a year ago, about a year and 15 months ago, or a year and five months ago. Um, Somewhere in that range, uh, maybe less than that. You're in three months ago. And so, and then Michael, I mentioned him, he got saved at 1045, a little, bit, uh, a little bit later. And David's testimony uh, is really one that uh, is really means a lot to me, special to me personally, for a lot of reasons. But uh, on a particular night, I think a few months before David ever came, my wife and I were at Publix. By the way, when Publix came to Richmond, we were like, Thank you, Lord. Because you know, we, we were from Florida. We, we went to college in Florida. We loved Publix. No disrespect to Martin's, but Publix was an upgrade in my mind. Uh, and so it was an upgrade, and it was kind of like getting the best of you crops and Martin's all in one, and you got all that stuff. So we were glad. And we were in Publix um, uh, at the checkout line um, several months before David came. And we met. We didn't know that night. We met his stepdaughter. And... We started to have a conversation with her about the Lord. And my wife's like, I think I got an invite card, which is why we have those invite cards back there on the info booth. And so my wife's like, I think I have an invite card for you. And so she looked in her, and sure enough, we had one left. It was kind of bent and everything. It wasn't great, but it still had the address. And so we invited her to church and we said, hey, I can't answer, because she found out I was a pastor and stuff. said, I can't answer all your questions here, but if you'd come, I'd love to hear you. you know, we're in the book of John. We'd love to have you come. And so she came, and then she invited her mom. And then her mom came. And then we started the 830 service, and they said, thank you that you started the 830 service. Our work shift, we're not really able to do the 1045, but the 830, we can still come, go, and get to work on time and not miss our shift, which is another reason why we knew God wanted us to do the 830 service. Okay. So, so the stepdaughter came, then the mom came, then the mom invited David, and David ends up getting saved. Hey. Rest of the story. Go ahead, hit play. This is the book of John coming to life. We had a, a neighbor of ours. Um, her husband was a huge uh, dealer in our, our neighborhood. Um, she kept telling him, hey, you need to stop, you know, this and that. She came over, asked us, have we seen him? He was in the back at that time dealing drugs, um, and uh, 
she got upset, ran back to the house, got a gun, came back. He ran. My mom said she got up and told me and my sister to go lock the door. We went and locked the back door, and we headed to the front door to lock it. He burst through the door, ran up the stairs. Me, my sister, and my mom ran up behind him because we, you know, she's we hear gunshots outside. She came inside the house and was firing upstairs to hit him. We're running right behind him. I'm hanging on to his shirt to get up the stairs with him. And we finally make it upstairs, go into the bedroom door. My mom said, hey, check on Lucy, you know, see if Lucy look up under the bed. She's, she's just, she isn't there. She had done jumped out the second story window. Inside of, we had a peace tree in our yard. She missed every single branch on that tree, landed on the ground and ran across the street to get help. So it's just me and my mom trying to keep the door closed and she's still firing shots. We're trying to keep the door closed. He's in there with us. Um, finally, she ran downstairs. Cops came down. My sister weighed them down. And so that kind of thing was, it was, it was normal throughout just hearing shots and just seeing violence and people running up the street, shooting, that kind of thing. It was kind of normal. Man, scene was so thick. I grew up in the East Lake Meadows. Me and my brothers and sisters, we grew up there. My mom, um, she was a uh, hardworking single parent, worked like all day, um, made sure we had, you know, what we, what we could. You know, she could only watch us so much and yeah we we felt you know me and my brothers we fell into it my sisters and and all them and they they kind of we just partied did drugs and just you know fought a lot um seen a lot of violence and for us it was just like going to church it was more like an obligation i want to say more like something you had to do it was part of your you know your childhood mom you got to go to church you know part of the culture you know yeah rarely went anywhere but <laughs> um but the, the, the representation for us was being able to, especially outside of Atlanta, being able to say we're from, um, first and foremost, East Lake Meadows. <laughs> but then, yeah, being from Atlanta was a, was a big, you know, you, you, you wanted to let people know you were from Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like, you, you from, oh, yeah, you from Atlanta. You had a box Chevy with rims and music in it. And that was the culture back then. It's just like music, rims, cars, club scene, drugs, drinking. That was the thing still have a ticket stub in my wallet of the very last uh, concert that Outkast did together. And I went to that concert. And I mean, was that a big deal for you? Like It was a big deal for me. I've ne First, I've never been to a concert um, and I've never seen Outkast perform live. To see Outkast perform live, that was kind of the, if you're from Atlanta, you, you know, Outkast is kind of what you represent as far as hip hop scene. There's other music scenes in Atlanta, but from Atlanta, Outcast is kind of the, the um, ambassador for Atlanta. Yeah. Would you step foot in an Outcast concert today? Right now? No, I would not. <laughs> no, I would not. I work for Publix. I've been working for Publix for 17 years. We actually, that's where I met Tamir. She worked, at, she worked for Publix for 24 years. Um, I got promoted to her store in Atlanta. So back in 2016, we heard around that Publix was thinking about expanding the market um, and they were going to Virginia. I got a call 
from my RD at the time, regional director. They were calling around Florida and Atlanta because those are kind of the, the, the homesteads for Publix. Um, and they were just asking different managers, hey, would you like to you know, take, take this opportunity to come to another state to open a new market? It'd be a huge opportunity. It's gonna be a lot of work. It's gonna be a lot of training. I got the call. I got the call and I was hesitant. Um, he said, okay, I, I'll give you a call back in a couple weeks. I went to talk to Tamara, I said, hey man, look, RD just called me, wanted to know, hey, would you think about coming to Virginia to open a new market? And she kind of, you know, we kind of just talked about it and we thought about it. I said, okay, we gave it a, a week or two. He called me back. He's like, hey, David, you know, I'm not pushing you, but just asking, seeing what was your follow-up. I put him on hold and I said, Tamara, he called again, like, tell him what you want to do. She, she put it in my hand. She put, she put it on me. She said, hey, you know, this would be a big opportunity for your career, which um, I really appreciate her for that because at the time she was thinking about retiring. And she was, she had just got, she just got, man, I was so proud of her. She just graduated um, medical school. Just got a degree, man. I was so proud of her. She earned every bit of it. And she sacrificed her new career for me. It's kind of rich. Um, <sighs> I bet. She sacrificed her new career for me. First to come to Richmond, cause she knew, and I knew, coming to a new market with my experience and my work ethic, that I would most likely get promoted real fast up here. Um, cause that's that's kind of the thought and mission behind it, to bring us seasoned managers that that, that can come into this new culture and train these new associates to give up, to, to share that public culture. So she did that for me, man. And I appreciate, I appreciate her so much for I couldn't do it without her, and I wouldn't be one met without her. I guarantee you that. Um, she played a huge part in bringing me to Christ. So we got the call, we moved to Richmond, came up here to Publix. She started going to Calvary Chapel, Richmond. In 2018, her and my daughter, Kanaja, she found the church, and uh, I was just in Publix, and I was just working. Um, she would come home and share these messages with me, and, I was just so happy for her. I was just like, she's different. Like, it's a different light. I can tell she wasn't just gone. I could tell she needed it in her life and she had it in her life. And I was like, man, like, <laughs> that's something. Like, what's going on? Like, I've been going to church all my life. I swear I read the Bible and I know this and I know this about God and I know this about Jesus. But the stuff she would come home and tell me, I was like, I ain't never heard none of that. So I came to a couple services, I did. And just seeing the church, seeing the family, just seeing the the welcomeness of it. It wasn't, it was no arrogance about it. There was no, I didn't belong here. All I heard was, was message, truth. I didn't hear, um, I heard worship music, but it was just, um, it was different. It was different than the church I grew up in. The church I went to, it was more like, so to make you feel good. It was, it was to make you feel good so that you, you know, make people come, honestly. And I came here and I, and I heard truth and I was hesitant for a long time, I was, honestly. Just seeing her change was, 
it was amazing. Like I've never seen the way she were um, when I could tell she had God in her life. And I was like, man, like, can I have that? Like, if I wanted to, but I didn't want it. You know why? Because I was scared. I didn't want to give up everything that I was doing. You know, I didn't want to give up the worldly stuff, my rap music, my drinking, the street stuff that I that I could not let go, and that was the only thing that I didn't want to give up for God. Like what He did for for us, like we can't give up these simple things that destroy us. Those things destroy us, but we don't want to give them up. We don't want to. We're scared of it. And we don't want to be held accountable for what we're doing. That's why. March 7, 2021. I never forget. <laughs> Pastor Tim White. He was preaching out of John. I was always curious, but my curiosity turned me to why not? What do I got to lose? Like, ever since I've been coming to the church, off and on, before that, all I heard was truth. And when I say truth, I mean just from God's words. That's it. There was no ideas, opinions. It was just straight from the book. But hearing that, hearing what God and Jesus wanted from me, from us, the simple things he wanted, how many times I, we all turned our back on him, just like, we didn't have time for it, we don't want it, because we had better things to do. And uh, the message was having life and believing but having life after death I took that as two things not death like everyone's gonna experience but death in this world like death of being in this world death killing and putting to, de putting to death the me that didn't want to come to him that refused him that turned back on him that after that, if I put that to death, I can have life. Be the real me. Be the me that he, that all he want us to be. You know, like, what he went through for us and what he did for us. The simple things he want. I was like, who on this earth, in my life, in my family, that would do that for me? Nobody. No one. No one would do that for me. And all I got to do is put to death that old me. That's all I got to do. And I said, why not? So, I surrendered my life, man. All that old me, that old man, I want it gone. And I asked God, and I stood up that day, I didn't hear nothing. I ain't seen nothing, but I asked him, I was like, I want it gone. I want it gone, because I want I want to live through him. And a lot of people, I think, refuse it because they think when you get saved that 
that's it that's the like you you got it all no you don't man because it's now now the battle starts now you now you in the fight now you in the fight and you come to him he's telling you that that's what you surrender for because he gonna fight with that's what he there for that's what he there for you're relying on him for strength and when you try to rely on yourself for it you won't make it you won't make it see a lot of people get saved and you know, it's, it's just that, you know, you don't read, you don't pray, you know, because you read more, you pray more. Now you're using the tools and what the roadmap for us for salvation versus you just getting saved, go to church every now and then. And that was me. That was me. And not knowing that true salvation and true surrender and being in Christ is you're going to be sacrificing a lot. You're going to be sacrificing a lot. You're going to sacrifice people. I have <laughs> zero old friends. Zero. A lot of people don't want to give up. They don't want to be held accountable for still being able to do the things of the world. Still being able to act the way they act. Still being able to hang around the people they, they wanted to hang around. If I had stayed in Atlanta... That if I turned down that second call and not took the, the, the call to come up here, I, I do not think that I would be in Christ right now. The RD did call me. And he knew that. He knew I would continue to drink. He knew I would continue to smoke. He knew I would continue to party. He knew I would continue to lie. Still, so him making that decision and going with his plan to like, nah, I... I need to remove you from here to bring you here. To bring you here. For me, I think he, I know that he knows that if I stayed down there, I would not be who I am today. I would not be who I am today. After I got saved, I never forget, like, I'm sitting there in the church and I'm like, what's next? What do I do now? And, uh, you brothers came over, and um, I never forget y'all invited me. We went to Chris, Chris' house, and um, I pull up. And I'm super nervous, man. I'm like, these guys, man, they've been in, you know, saved and salvation. They've been in the church, and I'm just this wretched, you know, unsaved dude, just wanting to, you know. But I was so eager, man. I was so eager, wanting to learn, wanting to understand it, and that's what I mean by truth, you know. You, you want to understand truth. You don't want to understand opinions or, or you know, people's take. You want to you understand truth. And I opened that gate, man, and you brothers just, you know, sitting around that fire. You just sitting around that fire lit my fire, man. It lit my fire. I've been saved for a year and some months now. So, you know, that's why it's, it's a battle. So that light will, you know, you can't allow that fire to go out, so it, it, you will struggle, you, it will dim, but it won't go all the way out, and that's the key. I want to know, I want to understand this, I want to know more, and listening, okay, I understand that, taking notes, let me see, you know, being hungry, looking for more of it, because if not, then all you did was, like you said, you're in the moment, you know, you just, okay, you know, yeah, you know, I did it, yeah, I'm good now, no, you're not. This, this discipleship, man, that's so key.
in your walk. I promise you, if you don't have that, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a real. I mean, it's already a battle and a struggle, but you need that. You have to have that in order in order for you to share. In order for you to disciple, you have to be disciple. The church need that. Guys need that. Men need that to continue their walk and to not fall. There were so many times or so many days that I struggled with work, man. Going to work, working long shifts and just saying, man, I'm, I'm tired. I can't. And guess what, man? I had that fire. I'm like, nah, because I can't. Like, I got to working six to six, getting off, coming to you guys, man. Like, I'm beat. I'm tired. I promise you. I, no exaggeration. When I get there, I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm good now. And um, that, that's key in your walk because, like, you can be tired, man, and be like, I'm just going home and go to bed. I'm going to go home and watch some TV. And and without having them brothers in there, hey, you know, you coming to discipleship? Hey, we want, we meet here. Without having that, you're just, you're just putting it all back to, you know, you're, you're putting on that, that coat of that old man again, man. Like, you're, you're just saying, you know what? This ain't for me. And you're covering yourself back up, man. A couple weeks after I was saved and I looked next to my wife and I told her, I said, I said, you know what? It'll be good. Why don't we start having a Bible study here? I still need to share this more. I want my kids in it. I want, I want to share it with family. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to learn more. But also, I want others around me in it as well. Bible study at our house has been been a real key um, in keeping us, keeping us grounded in our kids and seeing my daughter and them into it. Um, you know, it's their turn to read and you know, um, prayer and assigning them different different chapters and different books and that's that's the value that's the that's the riches and that's the 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 things you get out of it um, versus versus you 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 wanting to still have things of the world people who come to come to it and then thinking that it's all going to be like you're going to have you know or you get you get now now you start to get stuff you get cars you get this and that and now you're rich no but you're rich in knowledge and truth versus being rich in other things of this world man and, and just having our kids and us in it um, has been the value of it what is it what is it that's keeping you or that you not want to do for someone that would do what he did for you my name is david Colbert, and i'm a child of god I've seen it like four times, and I love it every time. So uh, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yes. Um, you know, uh, and God, if it's really God, you're going to bear fruit. He's already, David's bearing more fruit than some people I've seen for years. I mean, it's just, uh, I could see him being a Calvary Chapel pastor someday or something. Like, he's dug into the Word. He speaks really well. I mean, he's got, you know, God just put a grip on him real quick. And so uh, he's right. God made the call, brought him to Richmond just to get saved, to take him straight back to Atlanta. So we didn't get to have him here long. Uh, we're okay with losing people because God always replaces them and, you know, he moves the chess pieces around. We're not okay with losing people. We don't want to see the case he's moved to Raleigh, but you're going to go and it, we're, we're going to be okay with it because God, is, he does what he does. So, but um, 
I hope that you guys pray for David. And I didn't know that Tamir's your his, your Tamir's sister, right? You're here today. I didn't even know you were coming today. So yeah. You didn't know we were showing this, right? Yes. You didn't even know. So uh, yeah. I'm like uh, I'm either in trouble or this is God's design. Uh, I, all right, this is God's divine timing. I, I went with the latter, but, uh, you know, so I'm glad uh, God is, is using this, and I hope that was a blessing to you, too. So um, we look forward to seeing them. I think I was going to have the worship team up here, but I think we're kind of running low on time, so I'm going to have you guys not come up here. Um, but, uh, hey, as we close in prayer, just as you bow your heads, I don't want to take for granted. There might be a David here today, a David Colbert that says, you know, I know a lot of stuff, but I've never really given my life to Jesus, and I want to today. And I don't want to put it off another day, because uh, there's really nothing in this world trying to hold on to. There's no, this world's going to be fading away, and we're closer by the minute to it being gone. But your soul, your soul is eternal, and, uh, and I love that uh, we're not going to stop here at CCR just teaching the Bible verse by verse. That's what gets people saved. Not my clever wording, not your great personalities, none of that. It's the Word of God. Amen. That's what does it. And so that's what spoke to him. And, and I believe, you know, we're going to keep going through the book of John and, and God's chain. That's what spoke to Michael's heart. Uh, it, was, it was the words of Jesus. Um, the rest of us are just delivery people. Yeah. Me, you. But the gospel is life-changing. If there's anyone at all and you say, I, I want to I want to give my life to Jesus today. Just bow your heads and if there's anyone else, just stand right where you're at. I want to pray with you. Just stand right where you're at. Anyone else? Just stand right where you're at. Anyone else? Don't, don't wait another minute. It's not worth waiting another minute. It's not worth it. Anyone at all? Just wait. Just stand right up. If you're at home, stand in your living room. And I'm going to pray. If there's anyone else, it's not too late for you to join. Just pray with me. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation, for the gift of eternal life. Thank you that you forgive my sin to follow you, Jesus. Save me, cleanse me, wash me, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to now grow in you and abide in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah. That's all worth it. It's all worth it. Amen. You know, uh, just keep praying for people in your life. Pray for Michael. Michael, if you're still watching online, you know, we're, we're praying for you. Uh, we'll be there for you. We're going to help. Uh, but um, uh, one more thing I need to do. Now, I, I'm going to be gone the next three weeks. I'm going to miss you guys. <laughs> But for two weeks, I'm unplugging completely, and we've got a whole team that is going to, they know what to do. They, Trevor's got a great message lined up. Tawan's going to teach right after that, that Wednesday, and Pastor Mark is a great brother. I mean, Mark is 
You guys are doing a great work there at Calvary Chapel Fredericksburg. So you guys will be blessed, but, uh, you know, we'll miss you. Uh, but I'll be back very soon and looking forward to, you know, we're all this summer planting is for God to bring a harvest in the fall. That, and so keep coming, you know, keep coming uh, the next few weeks. Uh, it'd be a blessing to Pastor Trevor and Tawan and all the other. They, they, they want you here. We want you here. Those of you online, and uh, come on out and invite a friend. We've got the invite cards. You never know what one in- invite card will do. Amen. I never knew that public's invite card would lead to this person, this person, this person. Now, I always know it's possible. That's why we do them. Uh-huh. And I, we were going to do a reprint because the font is for people that are like 12 that still have good <laughs> eyes. So we apologize for that. But we couldn't, we were away at the offsite, so we couldn't see the proofs. And we said, just print them anyway. And we realized, like, wow, you need a magnifying glass. Uh, so unless you're really young, but the main information you can see. So still use them. God will do it, and the QR codes work on the back. But uh, before we close, Ashton, I want to pray over you. You're headed to the U.S. Army tomorrow, right? Yeah. You thought I forgot, didn't you? But no, no, no. I had it in my head. That was the last thing. If your whole family can stand, at least your parents and you. If your sister said, I don't want to do that, they don't have to. But at least you and mom and dad, I want to pray over you guys. And you guys can pray. So he heads to Fort Lee tomorrow, and then they take you from Fort Lee down to Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. And he's decided to join the U.S. Army and, and pursue a career, I think, in Intel, or is that right? Yeah, but something will... Yeah, so, um, so we're going to just pray that God's hand is upon you and... And he can use you in the military. I know we've got others that are in the military, Jorge, Victor, and others that God's using in, in the Marine Corps and the Army and different branches of service here. And so uh, we want to pray for you. And I think that's everything. We've had a full plate today, haven't we? <laughs> so let's pray over Ashton and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you again for your grace. And Lord, I just pray, uh, Lord, as Ashton takes this big step into, into the military, just finishing high school, Lord, uh, that you would be with him. We know that you are. I know that you're his Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that uh, he would, even in a new place, grow because Jesus, you go with us anywhere we go. And so, Lord, that he'd grow in uh, Columbia. And then when he moves on to the next phase of his training, uh, Lord, just be with him in basic training. And then the next step, uh, Lord, I just pray you give peace to Brian and Melanie and his sisters, Lord. And I know that they'll miss him, but Lord, just... Uh, give them your peace. Give them, Lord, just your presence. I pray, Lord, that you protect him uh, while he's in the military and, and in the months and years to come. But, Lord, also use him as a light. There's a lot of guys and ladies in the military that need Jesus as well. So, Lord, I pray that you get him plugged into a church. I know there's some good ones there in Columbia and other places. Lord, I pray that uh, yeah, that he would just uh, be continue to be discipled in other places. I just pray your hand upon the entire family. And, Lord, we'll just hear good things of what you're doing. And, Lord, for the rest of us as we leave here, uh, Lord, I pray that we would be your lights and witnesses wherever we go. I pray for this new soul that has decided to follow her sister. And, Lord, I pray that, uh, yeah, I pray that she grows in your grace. And, Lord, for all of us, Lord, just use us uh, in uh, any sphere of influence that you've given us, Lord. I pray that even as... Uh, we're out of town the next few weeks, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit and there'd just be a fresh work even the next few Sundays, Lord, because the Holy Spirit is here regardless, Lord. Uh, you are going to use these next few weeks. And I pray, Lord, that as we leave here, we just uh, 
continue to abide in you and bear much fruit. Uh, I pray for David too, Lord. I pray he, him and the family there in Atlanta just grow immensely. And uh, I know you took him back there for a reason that he gets plugged in and you'd use him there. And for all of us, Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you.